what we've been going through in this series. Um, it's a nine course series. So this is number eight today. So we're almost there. We've looked at a church empowered by the Holy Spirit, a church that continually reaches the lost, a church committed to one another, a church driven by integrity, a church that is formed on prayer, a church that expects the miraculous, and a church that serves the needy. So this morning I want to talk about a church willing to die for the gospel. A church willing to die for the gospel. We support a Christian organization called Open Doors that does a fantastic work all around the world supporting those who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And they sent a booklet to us just a week ago called uh, entitled The Ten Top Countries Where Following Jesus Costs the Most. And in it, there's a story of Mary. And I'm going to give a couple of other stories as we go through this morning. But this story of Mary, who lives in Iran, and she writes this. She says, you're in the middle of a church service when suddenly the door bursts open. Armed guards arrest you and you face a long prison sentence. Your charge, crimes against national security, just for worshipping Jesus. She continues, there was no evidence against me, so I ought to have been acquitted. Instead, I was sentenced not only to imprisonment, but also to flogging. Some Christians pay a real price for following Jesus in certain countries of the world. And there are thousands of stories like this all around the world of Christians who are persecuted for their faith rather than turning their backs on Jesus. And many of them are prepared to die for owning Jesus as their Lord and Savior. When the Christian church was born shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus gave these instructions to his disciples in Acts chapter one. He said to them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift promised as I've mentioned to you before. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The Greek word for witness is martyrs, which is where we get the English word martyr from. And it's literally someone who bears witness by his or her death. Now, in Acts chapter 6 and 7 that Terry and Judy read to us, we read about the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He was stoned to death for being a witness. And I just want to pick up some key principles out of that story that made him willing to die for the good news about Jesus. He could have run away when they picked up stones. He could easily have done that, I'm sure, but he was prepared to die because he chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So three things in particular that I notice in this passage that we've had read to us. The first thing was he was willing to be a witness to the truth. He was willing to be a witness to the truth. The early Christian church was birthed in a highly religious culture. 
It was ruled by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And the truth of God's unconditional love had been exchanged for a conditional kind of love. It was a conditional kind of love whereby people were led to believe if you kept the rules, then God would love you. Consequently, for the average Jewish person, life was pretty miserable. And this is what Jesus said about these teachers of the law and the Pharisees that religiously ruled that culture. Jesus said the teachers of religious law and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. That's Matthew 23, verses 1 to 5. You see, when Jesus came, he came as someone who was completely counter-culture. He came saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not these religious teachers of the law. Not these Pharisees who interpret the law. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And his message and his ministry was about bringing freedom from the curse of this religious legalism. Stephen had come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Stephen was an outstanding man. As we were noted last week when the church first appointed deacons, men full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, Stephen was one of the seven that were appointed in Acts chapter 6. And here we find that he is now falsely accused of blasphemy by lying witnesses that had quoted the words of Jesus that Stephen referred to, where Jesus said, if you destroy this temple, then I will rebuild it in three days. Jesus was talking about his physical body, not the sacred temple that was their place of worship. And they maligned Stephen. They accused him of blasphemy because he quoted these words of Jesus. It was obvious that his accusers did not know the truth. So Stephen takes the opportunity in Acts chapter 7 to give them a history lesson concerning the truth of God's word. He goes right back to Moses, uh, to Abraham, and he goes all the way through the scriptures, giving them a history lesson of the truth of God's word. Stephen had come to that truth. He understood the purposes and the plan of God who is sovereign and the saving grace that he brought about through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a time where truth is manipulated, it's economized and often disregarded. You and I know that fake news abounds and atheism is increasingly strident because there is a growing sense of spirituality in our society. People are searching. People want answers to the big questions of life. People know that there is something more 
than just the years that we live in this earth. And this is a great day because there is a spiritual awakening that is taking place across our nation. And I believe that this pandemic is fanning this spiritual awakening <coughs> where people are searching for the truth that is only found through Jesus. Now, you may be aware of somebody called Richard Dawkins, who was an Oxford Don, and he's become one of the most outspoken proponents of atheism. And this is what he said. The virgin birth, the resurrection, the raising of Lazarus, even the Old Testament miracles are all freely used for religious propaganda. And they are very effective with an audience of unsophisticated and children. When I read that, I was outraged that this man dares to call you and me unsophisticated because we believe in the truth, because we believe in the miraculous, because we believe in salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's outrageous to consider that. But Stephen unashamedly speaks of the truth, no matter how hostile and how anti people were of him in the culture in which he lived. And you and I have to be the same. You and I have to be men and women who stand for the truth that we have found in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend Chris Spicer has uh, just written a book. It's not been published yet. He sent it to me uh, to read through and it's called um, Making Mummies Dance. I love the title. But I was reading something in the early hours of this morning from it, and this is what he said. From Nike shoes to daily news, fake has become normalised. While it might be true that no one likes a fake, the reality is the cost of the real becomes too expensive. I remember our son Timothy many, many, many years ago when he was a young lad, he wanted a pair of night trainers. Well, we couldn't afford to buy him, so we got him something that looked reasonable, much to his dislike. So when he got home, he was only about nine or ten, he got a pot of Tipex and he painted a Nike tick <laughs> onto his trainers so that they looked the real thing. A lot of people today live fake kind of lives because the cost to live in reality is too much. Jesus said that to follow him meant you are to take up your cross on a daily basis, which literally means dying to self and living for the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you three things about truth. First of all, truth will always be challenged. People do not welcome it with open arms. When Pontius Pilate was cross-examining Jesus, when the crowd said crucify him, Jesus said, I am the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? He was mocking Jesus. He was basically saying, how can you be sure what is true? I want to tell you that truth comes by knowing Jesus. When you know Jesus, you have a certainty, you have an assurance, life makes sense. It all comes together because Jesus alone is the truth. 
So whenever you speak truth, don't be surprised that people will challenge it. But rather than speaking truth, be the truth by the way you live. And folks will take notice of you. But also truth will always be uncomfortable. You see, we had read to us from Matthew chapter 19 uh, from Jocelyn about this rich young man. He came to Jesus and said, look, I, I want to know what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And he said, well, I've been a good Jewish boy. I've grown up living all the commandments. I've obeyed them. I've been really good. Is that not enough? And Jesus said, there's one other thing. You're rich. Sell all your possessions. Give it away to the poor and then take up your cross and come and follow me he couldn't do it you see accepting the truth will always mean a change in lifestyle and that's an important factor that we need to know the truth will always be uncomfortable because it requires change but then there's a third thing about the truth not only is it challenged and uncomfortable but the truth of course will set people free Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know Jesus, you enter into a new life where you are free and released from the bondage and curse of sin. And you know the love of God as your heavenly father and salvation through Jesus. So Peter, Stephen was firstly willing to be a witness for the truth. And that's what it means to be a people who are willing to die for the gospel. But also Stephen was willing to lay down his life for Jesus. Let me give you another illustration from this booklet of the top 10 countries in the world where the cost of following Jesus is incredibly high. In Somalia, you cannot tell anyone that you follow Jesus. If your community find out, they might kill you because it's a Muslim country. Even your family might kill you. When Momina met Jesus in a dream, she became a Christian. But her husband abandoned her and her family were ordered not to support her. That's the cost of following Jesus for that lady in Somalia. You see, Stephen paid the ultimate price for being a follower of Jesus. Being a Christian here in the UK has a very, very low price tag. For us, it won't literally mean that we are stoned to death like Stephen, but what about metaphorical stoning? Do you get ostracized at work for being a Christian? Do you get passed by in a promotion because they know that you are a Christian? Do you get ridiculed for being a Christian? Are you sometimes unfriended because people find out that you're a Christian and you have values that are different from the world? You see, Jesus said, let your light shine. And because we live in a world of spiritual darkness, he wants us to be the shining lights in the darkness. And sometimes letting your light shine will mean that others will try to put it out. There's an interesting verse I noticed in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. It says this, those who are wise 
shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness will be like stars that shine forever and ever. It's a great verse in the book of Daniel. Stephen shone so brightly that the Bible says his face became as bright as an angel's. What a testimony. What a witness. There was something about him that caused him to outshine everybody else. And Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. But be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Stephen was willing to lay down his life for Jesus. And that is another sign of a church that is willing to die for the gospel. But then one final thing before we go into some breakout groups for discussion together is this, that, Jesus, that, that Stephen was willing to forgive his murderers. We thought a lot on Thursday night about the power of forgiveness, and we see it so remarkably here in this story. But let me give you one other story of some people who are persecuted in Nigeria. Pastor Jeremiah leads a church in a village in, in Nigeria, and he says this, when we go to sleep at night, we are never sure whether we will wake up alive the next day. Let me say that again. When we go to sleep at night, we are never sure whether we will make it and wake up alive the next day. His village was attacked and houses were destroyed just this last year. Fulani militants, Boko Haram and others, they kill men, they rape women, they destroy homes and they burn down churches. And those who survived this particular attack, the pastor says, they lost everything. He said, we came back in the morning and we saw that there was a fire rising and smoke coming from our homes. But Pastor Jeremiah says this, we still pray for the Faluni militants to change their ways. Nothing is too difficult for God. What an attitude. When your home is burned to the ground, when women are raped and treated terribly by these awful uh, terrorist <coughs> kind of people, what an attitude to say we pray for them, that they will be changed because nothing is too difficult for God. You see, that's the kind of attitude that Stephen had. He prayed for those who were stoning him to death. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Can I say to you today, if you're going through a hard time, if there's somebody at work that makes life really difficult for you, if there's somebody at work who speaks against you, if there's somebody in your neighbourhood who is not neighbourly whatsoever and is really anti-you, would you pray for them? Pray for the blessing of God upon them, because I'll tell you what will happen. When you pray for them, your attitude changes. Instead of feeling bitter and resentment and, uh, and, and wrong attitudes in your heart towards those people resentful, pray for them 
and God will change you from the inside and you will be able to bless them. It's a wonderful thing and it works because Jesus said it, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. As Stephen is stoned to death, he falls to his knees and his final words were not in a whisper, but he cries out loud, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. You see, forgiveness is at the heart of the Christian message. That's what it's all about. It's about us being set free from our sins, us being set free from our trespasses, us receiving, as it were, a clean slate through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel message because sin enslaves us, but forgiveness frees us. And by praying for their forgiveness, Stephen shows us that forgiveness is actually dying to certain things. Let me tell you as we end, forgiveness is dying to the right to get even. Sometimes when people are unkind to us, sometimes when people treat us unfairly, there can rise up within us a feeling that I have rights and I'm going to get even. Forgiveness is dying to that right. Forgiveness is also dying to the desire for revenge. And then forgiveness is also dying to resentment. When Jesus hung on the cross, one of his final words from the cross was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Stephen was no different. In his dying breath, he spoke words of forgiveness. He cried to God to have mercy on those who were stoning him. That's the essence of living the Christian life. Janice's father was an American soldier and he served in the Korean War for some time. And the Korean War was where the Americans got involved against the communists who were crushing that nation in so many cruel and unspeakable ways. And one day the communist soldiers moved into a peaceful village and the soldiers gathered all the people of the village into the local church. And one soldier jerked off the wall a picture of the image of Christ. And he ordered each person to come to the front and to spit on the picture. The first man to walk down the aisle was one of the deacons. He looked at the picture for a few seconds, quickly spat on it and walked to one side. Three others did the same. The fifth person to walk to the front was a young teenage girl. She looked at the picture of Christ. Then she bent down and she wiped the spit from the picture with her skirt. She hugged the picture of Jesus to her heart and then said, shoot me, I'm ready to die. The soldiers couldn't shoot. They ordered everybody to get out of the church. The people overheard the communist soldiers saying to the girl, you're not fit to live. If you had a chance to renounce communism, you would do the same thing. Shortly after that, the people heard four shots. 
because of this young girl's strong faith, the whole village was saved. You and I live in a very different culture to what many others do in different parts of the world and to what those have done in past times. But we still are called to lay down our lives for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life for each and every one of us. And whilst we might not be called to literally give our lives for the gospel, Lord, there are so many other ways in which we need to lay our lives down so that through others, through us, others can come to know and see Jesus. Lord, help us on a daily basis to literally take up our cross and follow you so that others will see and be drawn to the truth that is alone found in Jesus Christ. Amen.